welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me today is Court Winsett. Always with you, Katie. Always. And the king, Cameron Spann. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to do my best Elvis impression, but it was not good. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so we are a podcast coming to you from Memphis. Mm. Um, yes, technically we are Carterville, but... It's me- basically Memphis. It's, it's Memphis. I mean, when somebody asks us where we're from, then it's always like, oh, yeah, I'm from Memphis. And then if they know the area, then we may say, oh, yeah, actually, Carterville, Germantown, stuff like that. And for outsiders, Carterville is what, like 20, 25 miles from downtown Memphis? Probably 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah 20, 25, yeah. So when people think about Memphis, they, uh, depending on your background, a lot of people may go, okay, you know, Peabody, um, St. Jude, FedEx, things like that. But barbecue. Barbecue, yes. Yeah. Get out of the I way. I was having Get a out of the com- way, Kansas City. <clears throat> it's us. <laughs> I was having a conversation with somebody last week up in Boston, and um, I said something about Memphis uh, being known for Elvis, and unfortunately, lately, it's seems like crime because, you know, I I remember earlier this year we were in a different country entirely and Memphis was making the news in a different country entirely because of police brutality and some some criminal activity that had been going on. But I was pleased when their reaction was, really, I don't think of Memphis as crime. I think of barbecue. And I was like, okay, well, good. That's good to hear because I grew up in central Mississippi, not Mm -hmm. even really that close to Memphis. And it's just ever since I can remember, been known for crime, Mm. which is sad. There's so much more here. Don't be scared. We're here. Don't be scared. Okay, so Elvis is the other big thing. Yes. People, when you say Memphis, it's Elvis. And it's like, yeah, usually followed by Graceland. And then Mm. that's the whole joke of people who are locals. How many times have you actually been to Graceland? And I think I was finally, like, 16 or 17 before I went the first time. Mm. And it was because I went with people from out of town. And then we actually did an event there. And that was the only the second time I've ever been there. That event was the first and only time I've been there. Mm. What about you, Cord? Have you been? I have been to Graceland. uh, If you include like the entire property, I have I have been on the property. I have never taken the tour of the mansion or the plane or anything like that. But I have been to events that were held at their event center uh, I've been to the hotel across the street, uh, so on and so forth, but I've never actually toured the mansion. And that's the norm. I saw a post, I guess, last month. It was a Memphis-based account, and mm-hmm. it's just like, real Memphians have never been to Graceland. Yeah. No, but if they have, they've just taken somebody. So this episode is going to launch right after or right in the middle of death week, I believe. Yes, that's something Memphians it talk about. Yes. It's You have birth week and you have death week, and it's a very big deal. You have to plan stuff around. So my anniversary is August 10th, and we were right at the beginning of death week. And, are, you know, really, it's it's something that, you know, started and it used to be like a one-day thing, and now it bleeds into like the whole month almost. And mm-hmm. so it really, like I was in the heart of death week stuff. And so I kind of just fell into it and led into it. And, you know, my welcome gifts for my guest had Elvis glasses and things like that. But the reason why Memphians need to really know about it is because our city gets flooded with people. There's activities left and right. There are Elvises just like randomly everywhere. Especially A lot of Europeans. Downtown. Have y'all noticed that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Europeans love Elvis. 100%. Well, I was doing a quick Google search the other day um, because my husband last minute was like, hey, you want to go somewhere for our anniversary? And I'm like, I've only been asking you for six months, but OK, yeah, I'll plan something real quick. So I Googled real quick, like, hey, best places to go in states in August. And Memphis was on that list. And I'm like, 
why? It's hot. It's miserable here. And I'm like, oh, Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. Death week has always seemed like a much bigger deal than birth week for me. And would you all agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I I really honestly don't know. I know that um, our daughter, one of our daughters, was born in the month of January. And uh, I remember very specifically my wife wanting to be certain that she was not born on the date of Elvis's birthday. Uh, and she wasn't. But but I, I remember that being a thing. I remember like uh, my wife was very much like, oh, just, just so long as she's not born on Elvis's birthday, that'll be <laughs> Uh, because she didn't want a bunch of people going like, oh, Elvis's birthday, every time we told them what, what our daughter's birthday was. But, I mean, even if that had happened now, she's in New York, nobody's going to be like, oh, you were born on Elvis's yeah, birthday. Yeah, well, that's true. So I do want to throw this out there. This is not our list, but I do just want to sort of, why on earth is a financial podcast talking about Elvis? Okay, well, Memphis top five financial drivers, economic drivers for Memphis are transportation and logistics. FedEx. FedEx. Uh, healthcare. St. Jude, Jude. Um, manufacturing, all the warehouses, also agriculture and agribusiness. Everything that has grown in in a radius around us of I don't know how many hundreds of miles is pretty much shipped through Memphis, carried upriver or downriver on the Mississippi by barge or flown out of here or trucked out of here. We have a relatively decent rail system that comes in and out through Memphis. So that transportation and logistics includes moving a lot of, of stuff. And of course, we used to be one of the cotton capitals. Of yeah, the we have the cotton exchange yeah, here. And so. Memphis is in the Delta, yeah. a lot of crops. Right. The Delta goes from the steps of the Peabody to the riverboats of Natchez. And actually, number four, if you were to rank the top five economic drivers, number four is what we're talking about today. And that would be tourism and hospitality. And that's, of course, driven mostly by our musical heritage. Uh, we do call ourselves Home of the Blues, the home of rock and roll, because of course, Elvis Presley, king of rock and roll, recorded his first recording here at Sun Studios and lived here uh, until the end of his life. Huge economic driver. Graceland is a huge, Graceland and Elvis Presley Enterprises are huge economic drivers for Memphis. Uh, so whether you like him or not, whether you like the visitors or not, they have a huge economic impact. Okay, so let's get into Elvis Week. Uh, we've got a list here of five of the king of rock and roll's greatest performances. Elvis has always been a huge deal in Memphis, but I think now across the globe it's gotten a lot bigger because of the release of the Elvis movie and it's kind of getting some buzz again. Mm. But here's our list and then we'll kind of talk about even more so of the financial and legal aspects of Elvis. Mm. <laughs> Court. Why don't you start? <laughs> okay. Not fair, because I was counting on getting uh, my favorite of the Elvis things. And I'm interested, okay, one of the things that's not on here, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Okay, so the, the first one is the Dorsey Brothers State Show, January 28th of 1956. In less than five months' time, he would be entrancing and enraging the entire nation. But when he appeared on an episode of the Dorsey Brothers Stage Show in January of 1956, Elvis was a relative unknown. He played through a medley of Shake, Rattle and Roll, and Flip, Flop and Fly, as well as I Got a Woman by Ray Charles, and apparently really made uh, an impression. <laughs> 
The Milton Berle Show, that's June 5th, 1956. On the evening of this date, 40 million people tuned in to watch the latest edition of The Milton Berle Show, one of the most popular primetime programs in the U.S. I'm assuming it's kind of like a Johnny Carson, but earlier. It would be Elvis's second time performing in front of those cameras, but it was this one that, in the 60-odd years since, has been written into rock and roll folklore. Presley had ditched the sixth string in order to free himself up on stage. It was a fateful decision because as his band sauntered into a halftime groove during a rendition of Hound Dog, he began gyrating his pelvis in time <laughs> to the music with his previously unseen lower half in scandalously clear view. You ain't, ain't nothing but he was dancing very provocatively. and I love how that was portrayed in the Elvis Presley, yeah. Baz Luhrmann movie. I also love how it was portrayed in uh, Forrest Gump. Oh, okay. oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one on this list, the 68 Comeback Special, December 3rd, 1968. Uh, 2023 is the 55th anniversary. Okay. I have watched this special multiple times. It's actually, it's actually a, a really good special. So at this time, he'd been drafted into the Army and once returned, launched a film career featuring in a string of limp movies. <laughs> that was the thing. Like, musicians and stuff had those movies because, like, you had, like, Elvis with a ton of those movies. And you had Marilyn doing a bunch of movies, but she was an actress that then would just sing for the president. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he hadn't performed live in seven years, and his music output was limited to awful soundtracks for those. Matter of opinion uh, that that all of the soundtracks were awful. That's a bit of a statement, but go ahead. <laughs> with the sheer, uh, you know, so the Beatles now content with him, he could quite easily have faded into nothingness. Initially, the idea was for Presley to tackle a collection of Christmas songs. Thankfully, this was soon abandoned. Instead, they settled on a 50-minute special with a 33-year-old performing in the round while sitting down and alone in front of these famous red light bulbs arranged to spell out Elvis. It turned out to be arguably the finest performance of his career. And this was portrayed in the it movie was, as yeah. well. It was great. Yeah, so pared-down performance. This was Elvis basically, you know, when you're performing in the round, obviously it gives you a sort of intimacy with your fans that you wouldn't necessarily have from a proscenium stage or so forth. Um, so it, it it feels very intimate when you're watching it. And it was just very pared down. Him, his guitar, leather jumpsuit, black leather jumpsuit. This was before his crazy jumpsuit days. Women sitting and watching a man with his guitar. Did I say that? I mean, you said it was intimate, you know, sitting around with him and his guitar. And mm -hmm. all I could picture, spoiler alert, sorry, Barbie movie. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, there's just there's a scene with men and their guitar and the women. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen it, you, just go I, see I, it. I, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. Abby loved it. She yeah. really wants me to see it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so next on the list would sort of be kind of the opposite of his comeback special would be the Aloha from Hawaii. Probably one of his, if you think of an Elvis concert that you've seen on TV, seen clips of on TV, you've probably either seen the comeback special or Aloha from Hawaii. Uh, the jumpsuit, his most iconic jumpsuit for sure, he was wearing in Aloha from Hawaii. And um, this is when he really started bringing out the crazy jumpsuits covered with rhinestones and stuff like that. 
But anyway, uh, made history in 1973 when he became the first solo artist to broadcast a live concert all around the world via satellite. It was a hefty undertaking with the whole endeavor. And this was in 1973. The whole endeavor costing $2.5 million. What is the future value of $2.5 million in today's dollars, Katie? That is close to $14.5 million. Uh, sparkling in his studded white jumpsuit, again, my feeling is that this is probably his most iconic jumpsuit, but whatever. What do I know? I'm not actually that huge of, a, of an Elvis fan. He was the consummate performer as he glided through the biggest hits of his career so far, as well as his favorite covers, including My Way and Johnny Be Good. It is widely and rightly regarded as one of Elvis's best ever concerts, a final apex before his life and career took a plunge. What's wild is Hawaii had only been a state for 14 years when that was broadcast. I forget how. It was still so new. It was, it was just so a little, little baby. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of that, have you heard the whole people getting upset in Oppenheimer for the historical inaccuracy yeah. of the, the yes. flags? Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. I'm like, D who has time to like sit there and count the stars on the flag in one scene, for goodness sake? People Crazy. who need to come see us and do their financial yes. plan so we can give them something else to worry about. Indeed. Wrapping up our list of greatest Elvis performances was June 21st, 1977. That would be in Rapid City, South Dakota. What a booming metropolis. <laughs> Presley was staggering through a tour he should never have been on. He was a picture of ill health. On stage, his face was puffy and profusely sweaty, and his one slick on stage chat had been reduced to a series of confused mutterings. Oh, this is not sounding great. Why is this on the list? <laughs> My word. During one of the concerts in South Dakota, the 42-year-old introduced a song he had recently recorded, Unchained Melody, which is a great song. Amazing. As he shuffled over to the piano, wheezing into the microphone, he apologized in advance for forgetting the chords and tried to remember whether it had been released yet. Spoiler alert, it had not. It made for painful viewing, but what followed was extraordinary. Even as the rest of his body and mind failed him, his voice was irresistible, still so deeply heartfelt, still powerful. Less than two months later, he passed away. It is such a tragic story, and I think the new movie was really, really good. I'm Again, I'm not a big Elvis fan, but I can appreciate what they did in the movie and how they really showed how he had a huge impact with integration and that this movie along with Blonde and Idol, there's a lot of shows coming out right now that is really shedding a light on stardom. And, you know, we talked, we had that whole episode talking about Taylor Swift, that we all idolize and love these individuals, these musicians, these actors, and think that they just have, they have everything. And there are a lot of people taking advantage of them, pulling strings and there was a scene in the Elvis movie that really struck me of how lonely it was. Because at the beginning, Graceland was so packed, so many people there. And then people kept filling his head. These people are not good for you. And then Graceland was empty. And it was just him and the colonel pulling all the strings, telling him what they wanted him to be. And it's, it was an abusive relationship. It was an abuse uh, emotionally and 
medically and uh, financially. Yeah, stardom's not all it's cracked up to be. And since we're talking about Memphis, I would draw a parallel with our beloved Ja Morant. Mm. He's been in the wrong circle, I would say, with childhood friends. He's been flashing guns, getting in trouble with the NBA. And so they're bringing in Derrick Rose to be his babysitter. But you got to surround yourself with the right people and have your head on your shoulders correctly. What was that phrase? Is like kids, they would say you um, lay with dogs, you'll get fleas or something like that. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Anyone who lays down with dogs will come come up with fleas. Fleas. You know. If we're yeah. going to get biblical, iron sharpens iron. Ugh. I hate that saying. Why? Mainly because there was a douchebag on one <laughs> season of uh, Survivor who used it. Oh, no. Fr- frequently talking about his alliance with other people. And he was always like, iron sharpens iron. I was like, okay, you need okay, to be voted off immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was back when I watched uh, Survivor, I love Survivor religiously. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. But I mean, give um, a shout out to um, Aaron, who we had several episodes ago talking about there are people who can break the cycle and get out of mm-hmm. bad situations and really change their life around. But so I think it's more awareness of people seeing. And obviously, you know, somebody like Elvis, you go from being a kid who's singing and just trying to enjoy and have fun to all of a sudden you blink and there it goes. We've done episodes where uh, football stars and, you know, baseball stars, stuff like that, they get these huge signing bonuses. And then all of a sudden their cousins, their aunties, everybody shows up wanting all this money and they feel so blessed that they've got this opportunity and don't realize they're all on their payroll and they now are having to pay all these friends and family. And then when the stardom goes away, said all those people. It's not too dissimilar from Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun. Yeah. I'm always shocked when I'm reminded of the fact that he was only 42 so when he died. Yeah. Um, August 16th, 1977. Yeah. His- I mean, I mean, obviously I was very young, but I remember the news breaking when he died. I mean, so, you know, and of course at the time I was really, really young. You know, it was like, oh man, he Elvis died. He was so old. Was and this before Diet Coke was invented? Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. Actually, yeah. Indeed it was. But I mean, I think that's one of those that you have these moments in your life that you remember where you were mm-hmm. and like Kennedy and For Elvis, September 11th. September 11th. Uh, yeah. um, Challenger explosion. Chall- yeah. Mm-hmm. But so kind of the the joke that people would always say is that we died on the toilet. Well, according to the internet, because, you know, it's all the truth, it was that he was found by his girlfriend, Ginger, who was a singer, found him unresponsive, the bathroom floor, home of Graceland. He was rushed to the hospital and was declared dead from cardiac arrest at 3.30 p.m. You want to know... I mean, he really did die on the toilet. He had not pooped in, I think it was over a month. All the medication and stuff they had him on? So backed up. Of course you're going to get, like, ill. Well, you can know. Can you imagine not pooping for that long? <laughs> yeah, it, it, and actually it can it can kill you. An interesting thing, another, another very vivid memory I have, again, I was very, very young, was a commercial for the Inquirer. You know, Inquiring Minds Want to Know is a tabloid rag in case y'all aren't familiar with it. But the specific commercial, they talked about how they had explosive news about what caused Elvis's death, and it was pills. And then the TV screen filled up with pills, like it, it, it you know, filled up from the bottom up to the top. And it was like this huge thing that, uh, you know, shocking that Elvis Presley died because of drugs. And, and now it's like, oh, what up? 
<laughs> I mean, you know, like everybody's like, yeah, well, of course drugs played a part in it, oh, you know. It's even worse than I said. So he, this is on the internet. Uh, okay. So take it with a grain of salt. Apparently drugs and a horrifically bad diet had led to him straining and struggling to defecate. In Presley's bowels, they found compacted poo that had been sitting in his bowel for four months, not <gasps> one month, four months. I, I tried wow. so desperately hard to change the subject away from the <laughs> compacted poo, Boopie, but you boopie. just wanted to bring it back. Yep. But it's, I mean, because it's, it's I think forever people would be like, oh, this was Elvis Presley's doctor. This was Elvis Presley's whatever. Like around here, those were common phrases being said. And you think about Ozzy Osbourne. Mm -hmm. Like Ozzy was going downhill so fast and was so shaky. And then I think they ultimately figured out that maybe his doctor was giving him way too much of the wrong medication. And it was actually causing his demise. Same with Michael Jackson. Back to Elvis week. He passed away August 16th, 1977, as we talked about. His girlfriend, Ginger, found him. This is the 46th anniversary of Elvis's passing. It's a nine-day event, so that's what I talked about. Like, it has really started stretching out and mm -hmm. takes place from August 9th to the 17th at Graceland. Mm -hmm. And it's even more so out, outside of Graceland. It is all over downtown, everywhere you can find. There are pop-ups of Elvis tribute artist. Okay, you're probably going, why did she just say tribute artist so strongly? That has been ingrained in my brain. They are not impersonators. Mm. It is apparently extremely offensive to call them Elvis impersonators. ETAs are a proud bunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although when you start, there's an article from Washington Post, and it talks about that professional Elvis impersonators, commonly known as Elvis tribute artists. Yeah, ETAs. So it's a big deal. They take it very seriously. Um, they are everywhere and they are from wide ranges. I know um, we have a client that is a big follower of Elvis tribute artists. And there's some as young as like 15 or so that go out there and sing and perform. Yeah. Shout out to Donnie Edwards. He's a tribute artist, I, th I believe, from Vegas. We, we've we used him, I think, four times, flown yeah. him in. Well, and uh, well, I mean, John Atkin. Mm. He uh, was principal at Houston High and then superintendent for Carterville Schools. And he has, he's six, six, something yeah. like that, um, has the whole Elvis jumpsuit and he he can sing. So he's he's a Elvis tribute artist. We'd probably call him an impersonator. He, yeah, he may be. I guess tribute artists, they're paid for. They are a professional. We mm -hmm. do have another client that um, dresses up as Elvis as well and performs. I actually hired him for a bachelorette party once. Oh, <laughs> Please tell. <laughs> the The bride was very loved Elvis. And so we had this client. I was not working here at that point. So he wasn't my client when we did this. But he came out and performed. Um, it was not like a sultry little like Elvis thing. <laughs> okay. So he, he just performed. He didn't like perform. No, no, perform. no, 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 okay. no. It was just he sang. But okay. So back to Elvis week. <laughs> <laughs> Nine day event, August 9th to the 17th, all over the city. Also, this year is a little bit different because we will also be celebrating the life of Lisa Marie Presley, who mm. just recently passed. Mm. You've got Priscilla, and then Priscilla uh, had Lisa Marie with Elvis. She passed away. I think they've now figured out hers was kind of like a malnutrition thing, too. She had a lot going on with her health-wise and, I mean, kind of a tragic situation a lot like Elvis. Yeah, yeah She was heartbroken because she had... Lost a child and... Yeah, I was going to say her son, who died, what, a year ago, mm -hmm. two years ago, is buried there. So I think Death Week this year is going to hit a little bit harder for the Elvis fans. Mm -hmm. Indeed. 
So it's bringing tourists all over the world. There's a variety of events, concerts, tribute shows, exhibits, candlelight vigils. It and always, yeah, I, I don't know if it's the last thing, but I, I want to say it always ends with the candlelight vigil. So we all, as Memphians, you hear about on the news about the candlelight vigil because that area is just, that's when it is absolutely 100% packed with everybody who has come to town for Elvis Week is is there for the candlelight vigil. Did y'all see Lisa Marie's funeral? They had Alanis Morissette and Billy Corgan sing. Nope, didn't see it. It was cool. She was married to some very interesting individuals in her life. Yes, cool. Yeah, let, let's backtrack there. It's not cool that she died. It, it's <laughs> cool that they got those awesome performers to do a tribute for her. See, everybody has a little Elvis story out there. My ballet technique and point teacher that I was with for 10 years, she taught Lisa Marie hmm. dance. Whoa. Yeah. And so she, she said she was not a very good she did not play well with others and was not very mindful. And now, so now, she KT, wasn't in don't her be class spreading very long. Stories. I'm, not, I'm just I'm telling the stories. I'm spilling some tea. She's a little feisty thing, but mm. often she would compare it to me too. She's like, You're very feisty too. You remind mm. me of Lisa Marie. I'm like, cool. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Lisa Marie, Shiv. Beth. Beth. Yeah. Elvis Presley's estate. My speciality. Not not his estate specifically, but but estates just generally. Yeah. So uh, I guess probably most recently, the most interesting thing has been um, Elvis actually is is one of the stars that passed away early that actually had an estate plan uh, at mm-hmm. the time of his passing, and um, assets were placed in trust. The most interesting thing that has come around recently in the news regarding his estate is the fact that Priscilla, the mother of Lisa Marie has traditionally been one of the trustees of the trust. But uh, at the passing of Lisa Marie, the entire trust now goes to the benefit of her daughter. And her daughter is now the trustee of the trust. Um, and so Daughter was... being, if you watch Daisy Jones. That's... Da- Great show. Yeah. I have not watched this show. <gasps> Interesting. Her name is Riley Keough. Keough. I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah. yeah. If you speak her name phonetically, then it looks like Riley Keough. I don't even know Lisa Marie was married to anybody or had a child with anybody with a last name of Keough. Well, she she was married to Michael Nicholas Jackson. Cage, Michael Nicholas Jackson. Cage, yeah. She Apparently had, there was a Keo as yeah. well. <laughs> Think about everything that, that Elvis left behind. Graceland, obviously, and and that property and all of his assets have, as we've been discussing, turned into a major tourism attraction. And so all of the revenue that that generates on a regular basis is part of his estate. It's, it's revenue that goes into that trust and is used for the benefit of trust beneficiaries, obviously. Music rights, uh, image and likeness, personal belongings, a lot of which are still on display mm-hmm. in Graceland. And then, of course, his, his royalties for the music and his licensing fees and so forth. So, Because EPE was a big thing. Like, they controlled so much of it. Elvis Presley Enterprises controlled a ton of this stuff for a while. And I feel like since... I've been aware of a lot of stuff. There's always been legal battles and conversations around Elvis's stuff on is the plane going to be removed or not? Is Graceland going to shut down or not? And then it's just almost and maybe it's around all these people passing away at different points. Or I think there was a situation when there um, this kind of goes back to your past life 
won their bankruptcy issues at some point? I mean, there could be. I mean, there are certainly times when Elvis Presley Enterprises has been not as profitable uh, and has had financial struggles. They've done a lot to turn it around in the last decade or two. I don't know. Yeah. Again, I, I, I'm not going to say that I'm a, a an expert on Elvis's estate or on the Elvis Presley Enterprises business operations. I am a Memphian, and as a Memphian, I am required, I think, by birthright not to care about anything related to Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I've always thought it was interesting because Priscilla has been, since Elvis has passed away, Priscilla has been huge involved with all this stuff. They were not married when he died. They had not been married for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so... But he always loved her. I mean, like up until his death. Well, and then he also loved Anne Margaret. I mean, that's a whole big scandal. So it's it's interesting that Priscilla... I don't know anything about Priscilla. I know they're coming out with a Priscilla movie. The public always has one side of a story, but it was just interesting that they weren't married. He passed away. And then now Priscilla is like the front of everything. So Elvis had beneficiaries. His grandmother, Minnie Mae Presley. That's such a cute little name. Minnie Mae. His father, Vernon Presley. And his only child, Lisa Marie Presley. The division of the estate was to be divided into three trusts for Minnie Mae, Vernon, and Lisa Marie. The trusts were designated to provide for their health, education, maintenance, and support of these beneficiaries. That is a common thing for anybody when you hear this. Like, you know, we've talked about trust. It doesn't have to be for somebody who has Elvis Presley money. You can set up trust, and it's only to provide them for their health, education, maintenance, and support. So it's not for them to get rich and go and buy everybody a Maserati. But if you want to, then Bullcast would love a Maserati. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> After the death of Vernon and Minnie May, their shares of the estate were divided between Lisa Marie Presley and her other relatives. So let's talk about the estate battles in 2023. In court, you kind of talked about this a little bit. In January 2023, Lisa Marie Presley died at the age of 54. She was the only child of Elvis Presley and Priscilla. Lisa Marie's will named her daughter Riley Keogh. Yeah. That's, sorry if we're mispronouncing it out there. Um, and Harper and Finley Lockwood. Those are her heirs. Mm-hmm. They would also name Priscilla Presley as the co-trustee on the estate. So Priscilla still is involved in all of this. And in February, Priscilla filed a petition in court challenging the validity of the 2016 amendment to Lisa Marie's will. The amendment removed Priscilla as co-trustee and named mm-hmm. Riley as the sole trustee. And so Priscilla has argued that the amendment was invalid because Lisa Marie was not mentally competent when she signed it. This is always so icky because yeah. she's she's gone and we're now fighting over her mental capacity back in 2016. She argued that the amendment was unfair to her and her grandchildren. And so this is hard to look at it as Priscilla's upset because she's been written out. I am certainly jaded as far as estates and and people bickering over the the, the assets in an estate go. I mean, I've had I've I've seen it too many times. But yeah, to me, it certainly seems like Priscilla basically is getting the boot. She's she's been in control of a lot of stuff for a long, long time. She was the mother of Lisa Marie, and Lisa Marie probably had some sort of power of appointment for the trust that was for her benefit. Either that or the trust just automatically went to her descendants after she passed away. But she had the ability uh, through her will to appoint uh, trustees over the trust that presumably was the same original trust that Elvis set up for her. And if she had that power, then, you know, she appointed probably what happened was, I'm, I'm just guessing here, 
back in 2016, her child, uh, Riley, had probably reached the age of majority, if I'm guessing. And and Lisa Marie said, okay, you're old enough to handle the trust by yourself, so we don't need to include grandma anymore. So I'll just make you the trustee and you can you can handle your own affairs. You, you know, you've got the maturity, whatever, you've got the knowledge, you can do it yourself. And may or may not have even told Priscilla that she did this. And so when it came time to actually put into effect what Lisa Marie had put in her will, uh, Priscilla wanted to fight it. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest, it smacks of of sour grapes to me. Court, because you're our resident legal eagle, I have a question for you. When dealing with estates and the death of someone, would you say more often than not, families get into that icky territory, that battle territory, or is that kind of an edge case, um, just based off your experience? The number of times that I have heard someone that I was counseling about their estate say to me, oh, my kids won't fight like that. Mm, famous yeah, last word. Yeah. And the thing is, you never know. Some Sometimes... They don't. Sometimes you get along perfectly well. I certainly would like to believe that, uh, for instance, me and my siblings will get along fine when we're dealing with my, our parents' estate. Fortunately for us, our parents are both still alive. But eventually, I would like to think that we will all be able to get along and, and everything will go smoothly. But a lot of different factors play into how how an estate goes and how the handling of an estate goes. For instance, one of the estates that our law firm is currently uh, handling, a lot of the issue and a lot of the strife uh, is coming from spouses who really have no claim to the estate whatsoever, mm -hmm. but they're they're driving their spouse that is a beneficiary to really? make decisions that are probably yeah, worse. So. Yeah, I've, I've dealt with that. I'm, I'm Right now, I was helping somebody kind of run some numbers for a parent that is still alive and they are trying to make sure, you know, the money that is there, are they spending it wisely to care for their father? And they kind of made a little, one of them made a flippant joke because there's three siblings. Um, well, we need to make sure we document everything so that such and such doesn't come back and try and sue us when there's less money to be inherited at the end, which to me blew my mind. But money changes people. Money makes it where their claws come out. And you're right. It could be one of those, like, I'll use Abby, for example, because Abby is the sweetest soul in the world. She will never do this. But if, you know, if there was a situation where something happened to your parents, Cam, and you, you know, found out you were inheriting you know, $100,000 and Abby's pushing like, um, I don't think that's right. You should have gotten more. Uh, you should. Yeah. Then that can be the pressure because then you start. It's kind of the manipulation. It starts going in your head and then you go to your siblings and you're like, well, how much was actually spent? You chose to spend this much on mom and dad's care, and I didn't agree with that, so I should be entitled to more money. I mean, money changes people. It is absolutely crazy. So you're saying like Elvis was uh, manipulated by the colonel. These these people that uh, have access to an estate are manipulated by their spouse who have no blood rights. Could be. I'm dealing with personally right now, it's, you know, we've got farmland that has been in my mom's side of the family for a really, really, really long time. And we're wanting to set stuff up where it is only the direct descendants that can have something to do with it. And the spouses have nothing to do with it because the more layers you go down, the more people that are disassociated from the core of something. It's all this protection. And, and to court's point, you never know. You're looking at somebody right now, but until you put somebody in a certain situation, you don't know how they're going to act. 
and what, you know, what side of them is going to show up, who they're going to be with. We kind of joked that friend of mine, they put together a document and it was they were moving into a house that had been in the family for a long time. And they created the crazy witch clause. We'll just call it that. (laughs) (laughs) That pretty much was saying that if the spouse decides to go crazy and money hungry or vindictive or whatever, no matter what, she cannot get in control of this house because this house had been in his family for so long and not hers to have possession of. And I oftentimes reference that of like, hey, this is a loving couple. They love each other. They're not planning on, you know, ever separating. And she's not ever planning on going off the deep end and being crazy. But you protect yourself. Same with prenups. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you. Lo- it's somebody says it removes the love of it. But no, it doesn't. You're protecting yourself because as human beings, we adapt, we evolve, we we change who we are, different experiences, change our opinions and outlooks on things. And so... You're really just creating a legal document that protects you. Now, with this, with Lisa Marie and Mm -hmm. Riley, the legal documents were there. It was black and white. It was, you know, done appropriately. But she was going back questioning. Lisa Marie was questioning. the. Okay, so I'm trying to, to explain. I don't have all of the details because I haven't really followed the issues. But I said earlier, I think that this is the same trust that basically Elvis set up for Lisa Marie so many years ago. It's possible that that uh, she was able to set up her own trust and that assets uh, that she received from the trust from Elvis Presley, she put into another trust. Mm-hmm. In one form or fashion or another, that 2016 was an amendment to her trust, uh, whether it was the trust that Elvis set up and she had the authority to amend or if she set up a new trust and she amended her new trust. Yeah. 2016, she, she uh, executed an amendment to her trust. That established that Riley was going to be the sole trustee and it removed Priscilla as co-trustee. And Priscilla basically claimed that that amendment was fraudulent, that it wasn't actually signed by Lisa Marie and that it didn't reflect Lisa Marie's uh, estate planning wishes. But bottom line, Lisa Marie was Elvis's only child. She inherited uh, a a good portion of Elvis's estate. And um, when Elvis passed away, Priscilla was not married to Elvis and Elvis did not have Priscilla in his estate. And all of that went to Lisa Marie. And then, of course, Lisa Marie is going to pass that along to her children, Riley. And Riley has two younger half sisters that I think are not yet of the age of majority. So Priscilla was basically saying, hey, you know, Lisa Marie wanted me to be trustee over this. And, you know, this this is fraudulent. And Riley was like. Uh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the good news is there was at least a legal document. So Mm -hmm. then Lisa Marie was able to, in her, even though she's not here to speak for herself, there was documents that were taken care of prior to her passing. There are several situations we talk about with celebrities, with average Joes, that there's not the legal document. So it really is kind of left up to the courts, Mm -hmm. left up to really argument. With Lisa Marie's situation, Riley's lawyers argued that the amendment was valid and that Priscilla was not entitled to challenge it. They also argued that Priscilla was not acting in the best interest of the estate. Oh, best interest. So fiduciary, right? We've mm-hmm. heard that term a lot around our yep. our podcast. But ultimately, in June of 2023, so just a couple months ago, Riley and Priscilla reached a settlement. So, I mean, think about this. This is grandmother and granddaughter mm-hmm. fighting. Yeah. 
Yeah. They are trying to grieve, as we talked about in our re- recently episode. Um, they're trying to grieve about losing their daughter, their mother. And now it's all about money. And that just, that makes me so sick when I think about that. And I've seen that where a wife will pass away and then you've got the grieving spouse and then you'll see the vultures. You'll see these other family members start latching on to that last individual trying to then be like, oh, well, they lost their spouse. You know, I want to then be the beneficiary. I want to do this. Oh, it's cringy. It's real cringy. But granddaughter and grandmother made an agreement. They reached a settlement. Under the terms of the settlement, Riley will be the sole trustee of the estate, but Priscilla will receive an undisclosed amount of money and will be a special advisor to the trust. The settlement brought an end to the legal battle over the Elvis estate, and Riley is now going to be responsible for managing the estate and overseeing the care of Graceland. So to me as an outsider, and again, I'm not saying anything bad about Priscilla because I don't understand the ins and outs of it, but it's almost like Priscilla maybe didn't have her financial plan in place of knowing that she was going to be able to be okay without trust money coming into her. And so now she's made an agreement that she's going to still be getting some income to her in some undisclosed amount. Maybe she has done a ton of stuff behind the scenes and that she doesn't think Riley can do it. I don't know. But she's still involved. Riley's running the show, but Priscilla's still a part of it all. So additional details about Elvis's estate. The estate was valued at $10 million when Elvis died in 1977. Mm. That's a lot in 1977. Yeah. Yeah. Over 70% of the estate was paid in taxes and fees. When you have an estate that size back in the, back in the 70s, this is back before we had the more generous uh, exclusion amount that we have now. You know, I, I, I can remember even back in the 90s, I think, when, when the uh, exclusion for estate tax purposes was only 400000 and anything over four hundred or maybe $600,000 was taxable. So that was, you know, that was when I was a teenager or early young adult. I don't know what the, what the exclusion amount was back in the 70s, but I imagine it wasn't high. And so you, you could see an estate get eaten up by taxes and, of course, legal fees and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So 70%, yikes, but also makes sense. Now, since then, even even with that fact, since then, the estate has generated like, uh, you know, a billion dollars. <laughs> so since his, since his death, it's certainly been, you know, you were talking about, was there a bankruptcy? I think there may have been some financial strife, but Definitely, it has been a major revenue generator for many, many years now. Lisa Marie sold most of Elvis's trademark rights for over $100 million. Mm-hmm. And the main source of income for the estate is Graceland, which is one of the most popular tourist attractions in the United States. Boom. Graceland is the second most visited private home in the U.S. I mean, within that. The Biltmore. The yeah, first? you've got Biltmore. You've got the White House, Monticello. I mean, you've, it's among some great companies. It's the second most visited private home. Mm. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. I think it says 500,000 visitors per year. There's obviously I've only been there twice. I've only been in the house once, but they built the Graceland Hotel and they constantly, I feel like, will unveil every so often new stuff that hadn't been seen or they'll have private tours where there's different areas you can go to. But I mean, it's it, it is a sight to see. It is a very elaborate house in in the sense of how it was decorated. Jungle room. Yeah. It's not a massive, which is kind of interesting because like the first time I saw the White House, you know, and as a kid in your mind, you're sitting there thinking yeah. this massive house in like this big green area around it. But it is smack dab in the middle of D.C. with all these other buildings around it. And it's not that big. That was my thought. I was 10 when I went and visited it. Mm-hmm. And you walk through, it's like red room, 
blue room, green room. It's like smaller rooms than you would think. Yeah. But that's the thing is, is it's still, you think about the times these houses were built. It's very impressive. Um, we're just building way bigger houses nowadays. It's, you know, Beyonce and all of them have much bigger houses than Graceland and the White House and stuff like that. One of the TikTok accounts that I follow is called Celebrity Homes. And they just, every now and then they'll throw up a video of an aerial shot of Celebrity Homes. Those places Wild. are just unbelievable. They're complexes. They're yeah, not even it's, houses. It's amazing. It just absolutely shocks me. But see, going back to then what we talked about with Elvis, do some of these celebrities have such massive houses, you know, because they can, because they can afford it? And are they really empty because they can't trust a lot of people? Because they don't know who's pulling their strings. Just, I don't know. Stardom can be a very lonely world, I feel like. and It certainly has been for me. I mean, <laughs> you know, such a big star, but yeah, we're just honored to have you here. Thanks for yeah. every week recording well, with us, yeah. even though you're such a star. I probably don't say it enough, guys, but you're welcome. <laughs> you know, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> it means a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, this has been a fun episode talking about Elvis. And I guess I'm going to kind of bullseye at this point. Hey, I called it out before I did it. Hey, look <laughs> at you. Look at you. Yeah, we're talking about Elvis Presley here, but it doesn't matter if you're, you know, George Jones on the side of the road or wherever you are. Like, everybody needs to take control of your own life. You've worked hard. You've been a part of a family. You've been a part of an organization. You've been a part of different things. Make your estate plan documents. Make sure you have in place while you're alive what you want to happen when you're no longer here. And get your affairs in order. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's always going to be, I should have done it. I should have done it. Court and I had to go visit the hospital recently to go get some power of attorney documents and will documents um, done for an individual who had us on their to-do list. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly a situation changed and they needed it fast. Mm -hmm. And fortunately we were able to get it done. You know, court worked really hard getting all that together, but just don't wait. Because then sometimes you don't have that emergency opportunity to still get it done. And it's better to think it out and really put thought into what it is versus having to rush and get something done. Because then that's where there may be loopholes or maybe holes in your documents that somebody can go and argue. And yes, we want to all think that our families are not going to argue and fight over things. But money changes people. Money changes everything. Bullseye. Bullseye. My bullseye is to go out and see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. I think it's a lot of fun. I can't speak to how accurate it is, but it's it's cool. Uh, if you've seen any Baz Luhrmann films, it's kind of like that. Moulin Rouge, yeah. Romeo and Juliet. It's mm -hmm. got remixes of his songs. It's awesome. And then also go visit Graceland. Even Memphians, go visit it. Yeah, it's a little kitschy, but I thought it was a lot, a lot of fun to see the different rooms. It's like a throwback. I mean, it looks like it hasn't been touched in decades. So it's cool. Okay. Well, we're doing bullseyes this week, apparently. So um, <laughs> my bullseye is going to be a little bit different. So let me let me see if I can phrase this in a way that'll give you a good little nugget uh, where I'm not rambling for too much. So my bullseye is this. At the very top of the show, I listed off Memphis's top economic drivers. Uh, and I think as residents of the city and frequently uh, as residents of a particular state, you've got to be conscious of where where your livelihood and where your uh, city and or state's prosperity is coming from. And 
you know, be supportive of those things. So like, for instance, obviously FedEx is a huge driver for us. Uh, Graceland is a huge driver for us. St. Jude is a huge driver for us. We want to support those uh, organizations, uh, be proud of them to the extent that we can and should be proud of them, uh, so on and so forth. They bring so much money into our city uh, and, you know, tourism supports lots of tourist industry related jobs. And so, you know, it goes on and on and on in terms of just exactly how many Memphians those things, those different things that we talked about can can actually help uh, make a living and live a life that, that, that they deserve. So uh, it's worth being aware of what's what's in your state, what's in your city, what's driving your city's success and who, who is it helping? Uh, is it helping, you know, is it helping your fellow citizens of that city or state uh, make a living and live a life? You know, just kind of be a good person and be knowledgeable about what's surrounding you, I guess. Hashtag hometown pride. <laughs> Booyah. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. There's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Cameron, Katie, or Court, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. We've got bios. We've got a few pictures. We've got a spot where you can uh, drop us a note. Comment on our most recent episode or drop a topic that you'd like to hear us talk about. Or even if if you'd like to have us have a guest on, we uh, suggest that as well and we will follow up. We have pictures on Instagram. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And for at least the time being, we still have an X account, a Twitter account as it (laughs) used to be called. Um, That handle is at Bullcast Podcast as well. We have a Facebook page that is Bullcast The Podcast. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, as we are so willing to remind you, we all three work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. Financial advisors, if you'd like to find out more about what we do, what we can do for you, find out about our amazing team and find out about our boss, David Pickler, then please feel free to go to that website. That website is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you everything that you need to know to come to Memphis and celebrate Elvis during Elvis's death week. So if you haven't already come here and are not listening to this podcast while you walk our city streets, then hurry up, get over here, and listen to some Elvis tunes. Otherwise, we might be lonesome tonight. I don't know. For now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) 